Now, can we all believe that we're in the second Sunday for 2024 already? Next week is the third week of 2024, which means January is almost over. I don't know about you guys, but I thought, man, we just got through Christmas, but here it is. It's coming back already. I walked around Coles the other day to get some lunch, and I saw hot cross buns. And I thought, Lord, how long did I have off on holidays? But it's not Easter, guys, but it is coming very, very quickly. But I can't believe how fast this time of the year goes. I used to hear from people a lot older and wiser from me when I was growing up, time flies the older you get. And I thought, I'm sure that's just an old person saying, but here I am getting a little bit older going, you're absolutely correct. The older I get, the faster it goes. But this time of the year is also a very special time of the year. As Jasmine noted last week, it feels fresh, doesn't it, at the start of a new year? It's a little bit more relaxed. Most of us have been away on holidays. You get to really enter into the new year in a bit of a slow way. For me, I love this time of the year because I often get lost in a really, really good book. I get to think about the plans that I've got coming up for the next 12 months. And I also get to spend a little bit of time because it is quieter praying and spending time with God about where does he want to lead myself and my family in the next 12 months. It's a fresh time of the year. There is so much scope to do whatever we want. Amen. But who knows, February is going to be here next week. So it's fine. It's a joke. Relax. But I really actually enjoyed Uncle Laurie's, or sorry, Laurie, my great uncle's message the other week on New Year's Eve, where he spoke about plans for 2024, and he focused on how we could look not only inward, but outward and upward as well. And when it comes to plans and that sort of stuff, I thought, wow, what a great message to end 2023 with as we head into 2024. But then for those of us that were here last week, we got to hear Justin's message, which was all focused on how can we imitate Christ? thought, wow, what awesome messages we've heard, the last one in the year, the first one in the new year. And they really felt like the Holy Spirit was presenting a bit of a thread when it comes to looking at 2024. And I wanted to pick up on that thread this morning in our time together. Does that sound all right? Because this week, as Cal said, we're going to be spending some time in Proverbs. So we've got 31, so get pretty comfortable because this has got to go till this afternoon. Only three people laughed at that joke, so there you go. They're the spiritual ones. No, it's a joke. We're moving forward. But before we get there, I always like to know who am I talking to in the room this morning so we can sort of change the message if we need to last minute. But this is going to require honesty. And this is also for our people joining online this morning as well. Give me a wave if you're a planner. Hold those hands up high. Wow, that's quite a few of you. You're all like a good plan. Now, give me a wave if you are the complete opposite and a plan is the worst idea ever. Looking at those hands makes a lot of sense about a few of you now, so it's fine. I myself would refer to myself as a bit of a planner. I like a well-thought-out plan. I like to know where we're going. I like a little bit of direction. But in my younger years, this actually wasn't a good thing. I was what you would call inflexible. Some might say, I'm still a little bit hard to move. It's not my wife, it's other people. But I was very much a guy that when we made a plan, we committed to that plan. We stick to the plan. Everything could be falling down around us, but the plan does not change. But the older you've gotten, I've realized that in life, plans will and do change. And when they do change, you have two options. Don't change and then wonder why you're really grumpy or go, maybe a little bit of flexibility is all right. After the years of 2020 and 2021, I think we all learned that we need to sort of hold plans a little bit more loosely and flexibility is not a bad thing. But just as we saw for some of us, the very idea of a plan 
is about the worst thing in the world. In fact, if you're not a planner, I have two words for you this morning. Meal plan. A few of you are looking at me like, Geordie, that's too controlling, man. I just want to be free. And if that is you this morning and you don't have a meal plan, live free, I guess. I don't know how you guys do it, so it's fine. Love to see your grocery budget. But when it comes to anything like plans and whatnot, I actually think the truth falls somewhere in the middle. For all of us, we have extremes of planners on one time and extremes of planners on the lack of plan on the other side. But the truth actually is we all fall somewhere in the middle. For some things, we like a plan. For example, if you want to go on a date, it's often good to have a plan, have a budget, stuff like that. But then for other things like making plans spontaneously, you don't need a plan. So it often falls somewhere in the middle. And this is often a time of the year where I'm sure a few of us are looking, what plans do we want to achieve over the next 12 months? Unless, of course, you're not a planner, you're just winging it. You're going, 2024 is going to be great. Who knows what's going to happen? And I can't wait to see you at the end of the year is my response to that. But as mentioned before this morning, we're going to be spending some time looking at the book of Proverbs together. And one of our former elders and worship leaders, and I promise this was not pre-planned because I didn't know he was going to be here this morning. Once it's Chris, he's sitting at the back, but I'm not going to shout him out. But he once came and spoke to a connect group of young adults that I was a part of, and he encouraged us to read a proverb a day. His exact line was something like this, and I'm really going to butcher it so he can correct me afterwards, was there are 31 days in the month and there are 31 proverbs. So why not start your day with a proverb a day? And it stuck with me. And when we actually look at Proverbs, it's a very fascinating book of the Bible because it falls under the classification of wisdom literature along with Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Now, these books, you have to remember in the context they were born, uh, written and born out of, they were very unique in the ancient world as they recognized that God was the source of all wisdom, but they also dealt with how the world works as well. And antiquity... This was uncommon because as we know, there was a plethora of gods and whatnot, but here is one book referring to there is one God who gives all wisdom. The first section of Proverbs encapsulates chapter 1 to 9 and is focused mostly on the encouragement to live a moral life. It has an emphasis to listening to the teachings on the wise and avoiding unfaithfulness. These chapters can be read as whole chapters that are pointing to a specific message in each chapter. But Proverbs, we read through a Western lens point in a modern context, it actually can be quite confusing sometimes, Proverbs, when you jump to chapter 10, because the whole way it's written begins to shift. It goes from being about whole chapters with one message that we know and we read through the Gospels and whatnot, we can see those. But then in Pro Proverbs 10 onwards, it changes to one verse sayings that are linked with one another, but they're also complete sayings in themselves. As we sort of know, once again, in the modern context, we like to have a bit of information that points to one thing. But in the ancient world, you could have one verse that was a piece of wisdom, but then it's also linked. So each chapter contains multiple references in there, which once again, preaching on Proverbs I discovered this week is really hard when you take that into consideration. But this morning, we're going to be looking at chapter 16, which contains some really well-known sayings for those of us that have been in the church for a while. And I'll give some specific context to chapter 16 shortly. But before we get there, I actually wanted to touch on a point that one of the commentaries I was reading raised. As followers of Jesus, so you and I are sitting in this room today, we are constantly influenced not only by the teachings of the Bible, but also human wisdom and our own world experiences. 
And Proverbs actually encourages that. But it also thankfully offers us some guidance around how to take on those experiences and how not to as well. The world that we inhabit and live in often has moments where matters of faith and moral conviction are required. Proverbs combines learning, religion and morals all together to help guide us when we find ourselves in those moments. For example, think about business or relationships. Our convictions, actions and choices are not formed outside of spiritual or moral considerations, but they're actually made in conjunction with those thoughts as well. So when it comes to what we experience and learn from the world, it's not just a matter of world equals bad. It's actually a yes and a no, or a yes but. Because we have a framework that Proverbs provides of spiritual and moral convictions to help guide us in those experiences and learnings. And this applies to all of us sitting in this room or joining online today when it comes to our plans for 2024. And this morning, we're going to use a few sections from Proverbs 16 as our guide, and we're going to be asking the question, how can we apply ancient wisdom to our plans and lives this year? But before we get there, I'd love to take a moment to stop, to stand together if we're able to this morning, and let's really stand and focus on our thoughts and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning before we open God's Word. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've already been moving this morning. Lord, we invite you right now to speak to us as we spend time in your word. Father, any words that are mine are us that fall away right now. But Lord, anything you want to say to us as your followers, let it permeate our hearts and our souls this morning. Let this be a time that as we consider 2024, Father, we put you first and foremost. Holy Spirit, minister to each of us this morning as we're in this place. We love you so much, Father. Thank you that we can gather as a community and spend time in your word. In your precious and holy name, everybody said, amen. So grab a chair. So the title of my message for all our note takers out there this morning and the team that's going to be building the YouTube video later this week is Ancient Wisdom for a New Year. Proverbs 16 can be broken down into multiple different sections, but for today's message, we're going to be looking at two specific sections within this chapter. And as we touched on before, each of these verses are actually self-contained bits of wisdom but they're linked by an overarching theme. And the theme that links all of these verses that we're going to be spending time with today is the idea of our hearts. As modern readers, we understand the heart as an organ that's in our chest. It pumps, it pumps blood around our body. I'm not a doctor, so that's about as far as my sort of knowledge goes on the medical side of things. But in the biblical context, the idea of a heart is that it was the center of all spiritual activity. Throughout the Bible in both the Old and the New Testament, we see multiple references to our hearts and often the condition of our hearts in relation to God. We even see Jesus himself referring to the state of our hearts multiple times throughout the Gospels. And John 14, chapter 1 comes to mind, which is where he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. There's a clear biblical link to the idea of our hearts. And it's my prayer this morning that as we spend time in God's word, our hearts are actually open to what he wants to speak to us today. I pray that our hearts are soft to hear what these Proverbs have to say to us as modern readers. So if you have your physical Bibles with you this morning, let's turn there together to Proverbs chapter 16, 1 to 4. But if you don't, that's okay. It'll be up on the screen behind me and we'll all read together. So reading from verse 1. The reflections of the heart belong to mankind, 
but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs motives. Commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has prepared everything for his purpose, even the wicked for the day of disaster. The overall emphasis in these verses that we can see is that whilst we make plans, the results are ultimately in God's hands. And our plans come under his authority and power, not our own, which is a very important reminder as we start a new year. Because I know I'm often guilty of having great plans, great ideas, whatnot, and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, but hey, that's okay. But ultimately, God is in charge and on the throne. Hence the importance, as we just read in verse 4, the Lord has prepared everything for his purpose. And the first point that we're going to look at today as we think about applying this ancient wisdom to our lives in the new year is this. Where are our plans coming from and who is over them? Now let's take a moment to stop here and to say there's nothing wrong with having great idea and plans, even spontaneous ones. But as we seek to be followers of Jesus, we want to be walking in his plans and purposes for our life. And this includes in the plans that we make. Case in point, when myself and Talisha became parents, we had lots of plans. We had a spreadsheet. We had everything mapped out neatly and clearly. I even had my paternity leave ready to rock and roll about a month out. I'd even made plans to go watch the motorbikes at Phillip Island. Why are you all laughing? It was a very important thing to do before Deacon arrived. But as I said earlier, myself and Talisha, we're both planners. But then two and a half weeks before his due date, our beautiful son changed those plans and decided that it was time for him to arrive into the world. I choose to believe to this day he was just really excited to get to hang out with his parents. So he thought, why wait any longer? Let's hang out. But needless to say, in that moment as we walked down the hallway in the hospital, all our plans changed. I was meant to play guitar the next morning at church. So I thought, how do I subtly tell Pastor Charles Talisha's in labour without him getting too excited? So I called him. And do you know what he did? He yelled with joy. And he said, we'll sort it out. But anyway, plans change is the point I'm trying to make there. But in life, you're going to make plans and they're going to change. But it doesn't mean you can't be prepared though and take steps towards where God is leading you. Myself and Talisha were very thankful that before Deacon was born, we actually did a parenting course that helped us for parenthood. And whilst nothing can fully prepare you for the real deal of real world experience, it's good to have some sort of plan that you can lean back on as well. Because preparation is not a bad thing. Just because plans change, if we're prayed up and prepared, you're going to encounter those moments in a totally different mindset. And returning to Proverbs 16, looking at verse 7 to 9, we see the passage begin to develop a couple more principles that are directly related to our plans. So let's read together from verse 7. When a person's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. A person's heart plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. There is such beauty to the book of Proverbs, man. If you look at it from take a step back, it's actually considered poetic at different points. And you can see that. Like think about verse 8 there. Better a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. As followers of Jesus in a modern context that lives in a consumeristic age, what a piece of wisdom to remind us. But it's verse 7 and 9 here that show us two crucial principles when it comes to making our plans, which are what are our motives 
and where is our trust? At the start of the year, as Laurie touched on in his New Year's Eve message, we can often focus on goals that are all about us, goals that are self-motivated. But as people that are being on a journey to be more like Jesus, as Justin touched on last week, our motives actually should be about seeking God and be motivated by Him. Does that mean we can't make plans for the things we desire and things we want to do? Absolutely not. But when our heart shifts from serving the Creator and seeking Him to seeking ourselves, we're actually stepping onto a very slippery slope. Because I think we could all agree this morning, it's so easy to make plans and then retroactively add God to them after we've already decided what we want the outcome to be. I'm just as guilty as that as anyone else. But ancient wisdom, as we just read, tells us to commit our activities to the Lord and our plans will be established. Imagine if the first thing we did when we thought and planned anything for this year was to pray. It's super basic, but it's also incredibly powerful as it reminds us of not only whose we are, but God is in control. It grounds us. It brings us back to his will and purposes for our lives. We serve a God who we can have a real relationship with, who we can seek in times of prayer for our plans and time spent with him. And it's often in these moments when we seek God, don't be surprised if our plans change. Because ultimately, God is the one who creates an open opportunities for us to walk through as we see in verse 9. So earlier this week, I was praying about what did I feel God wanted me to share with our community this morning? And I found myself on Monday at the local barbers getting a haircut because at that point I didn't have anything. So I thought, hey, if I don't come up with anything, at least I'll look fresh up on stage and they might be a bit more forgiving. It's a joke, but preaching haircuts are a thing. Ask any preacher. But anyway, I was sitting in the chair and I was waiting for my barber to be free and I found myself on my phone looking through the Bible app going, Lord, what am I going to talk on? It's Monday. As a planner, my sermons are usually written well in advance by this point. But I'm sitting there going, God, what do you want me to share with our community? And I found myself drawn to Proverbs 16 and the whole idea of giving our plans to God, especially as I was considering what plans I wanted for this year. But anyway, my barber called up my name and we got talking. Now, a little bit of context with my barber. He is a legend. He does a very good haircut, as you can see. But for the last four or five haircuts, I've been talking to him about Jesus and what I do for work. And he's a pretty open guy. He grew up overseas. He grew up in a place where Christianity was quite strong, but then he's ended up in Australia. He's on a bit of a journey. But anyway, during the course of our haircut, we start talking. Then he goes, yeah, I've often noticed in my life when I'm faithful, God opens doors. I'm sitting there going, oh, man, how the heck did we get here? Because our previous conversation was all about where are the best fish and chips in Melbourne. Next minute, we're talking about God, and he shared his life experiences, how he grew up overseas and on his journey here as well. He could never see a way, but he always felt like there was a higher power, or God was the term he used, drawing him there. And I stopped and I thought, wow, this guy with such a varied life experience knows there's more to life than random chance. So when we look at our plans this year and consider the question, Where are our plans coming from and who's over them? We can remember that we serve a God who is over all. That he will make a way and create opportunities even when we can't see how it's possible that will go beyond our wildest plans. I feel in this moment right now, there's someone in this room and you've got plans for the year ahead but you can't see 
how God's going to make a way. And I feel the word for you this morning is don't settle with the first option. I don't know what that means, but an option's going to come along your desk, but don't take that first option. Because God's plans are going to go beyond what your wildest dreams can be. So I don't know who that's for, but enjoy. But as, we seek, but as we seek God in the middle of our plans and dreams we have for this year, why don't we ask ourselves the bold question of what are our motives and where is our trust? Perhaps this would actually be a good barometer for us to know whether we're placing more trust in what we can see in our own abilities rather than God and his ways. Whatever plans we make this year, and this is just as much for myself this morning as all of you, let's be a community that keeps God first and foremost in them. And let's see what he does, not only in our lives, but the lives of those around us. Amen? Now, another interesting point to note when looking at Proverbs chapter 16 and its structure is that verse 1 to 9 are focused on the plans of a person's heart and God's sovereign direction over him, as we've just explored. But in verse 10, once again, we see a little bit of a change in the tone of Proverbs 16 because it starts talking directly to the king or monarchy of that time and it's all about the king's responsibility under God. And whilst these verses from 10 to 15 aren't specifically speaking to us here today, there's once again the beauty of Proverbs is there's so much wisdom that we can still take from that to apply to our lives as we seek after God. But then in verse 16, the tone changes again. But we see the change of pace is actually linked with the idea of our hearts still. But this time it's focusing all on wisdom. Now, I don't know about you, but give me a wave if you want wisdom when you're making plans in any part of your life. Because our second point for this morning may seem like a bit of an interesting jump to our first point. But it's focused on one of the marks of a rich life of wisdom and a great piece of ancient wisdom for us as we think about this new year. And our second point for this morning that we'll explore is this. Why is our speech important? Seems like a bit of a curveball, doesn't it? I told you Proverbs gets a bit wild with the structure and whatnot. And it may seem like a really weird thing to jump to after we have plans and dreams. But make no mistake, church. Our speech and language says a lot about what is going on inside of us. Later on in Proverbs 18.21, we're reminded that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. Jesus himself in Matthew 12, 33 to 36 tells us that from the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. But you may be thinking to yourself, how does this link with God being the center of our plans as we start this new year? And it comes back to once again that idea we touched on at the start. All these verses are linked by a focus on what's going on in our hearts. Our speech is important because it often shows us what's really going on under the surface with us. Not what we project out to people, but really in our deep core, the spiritual center, as the Bible puts it, what's going on with our journey. So let's read Proverbs 16, verse 20 to 20, 24 together, starting from verse 20. The one who understands a matter finds success, and the one who trusts in the Lord will be happy. Stop there for a second. Who wants to be happy this year? The keys, ancient wisdom, trust in the Lord. Continuing for verse 21. Anyone with a wise heart is called discerning and pleasant speech increases learning. Insight is the fountain of life for its possessor, but the discipline of fools is folly. The heart of a wise person instructs his mouth. It adds learning to his speech. 
pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the taste and health to the body. From these verses, specifically verse 21 and 23, we can see that the characteristics of wisdom or a wise heart are tied to what speech comes out of our mouth. The author here is ultimately pointing out that our words are a sign of the wisdom in our hearts, which ultimately we know all wisdom comes from God. Think about in your own life this morning what it feels like to come across a really wise person or a profound quote or a speech or something like that. I had a moment like that this week where I heard a quote from C.S. Lewis. And if anyone's familiar with his writings, they're incredible. Highly recommend Screw Tape Letters. It's a really good read. There's a whole bunch, but we're not going to get distracted with book recommendations by Geordie. That's a podcast episode for a later time. But the quote that I came across and I heard it made me stop in my tracks from wisdom and it was this. Children are not a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. And I'm sure right now as we're talking, countless quotes are coming to your mind where you've heard things that have impacted you as well that when you stop and go, whoa, there's so much wisdom. This is the wisdom that we can actually have that Proverbs points to. But can I be so bold as to ask a potentially provocative question this morning to all of you? And this is very much for myself as much as anyone else. Would people say we're wise by the way we choose our words? Is our speech pleasant? Is it like honeycomb? Because if we're honest with each other this morning, I'm sure it always isn't. And this is not meant to be a thought that brings judgment, but it's one to help, stop and to help us stop and remember that our speech is important, especially as we step into the new year and are seeking after God as followers of Jesus. It's ancient wisdom, but I often find I still have to be constantly willing to work on it and invite the Holy Spirit to help me. Because in times of frustration, my first thought isn't always, Lord, let my words be like honeycomb. It's usually something a fair bit different in that moment, depending on what situation I find myself in. But as we see in verse 21, pleasant speech can actually lead to learning. And I believe it's something we can learn to actually stop before we speak sometimes. This may be hard to believe, but when I was a younger man, I used to be pretty quick sometimes just to let rip with whatever I was feeling, whatever was my mind, no matter who I was talking to. My parents could tell you more stories about that later on. And it wasn't always good things. I look back now as a little bit older and go, man, oh man, I said some truly dumb things that caused hurt that didn't need to be caused. And I'm sure we all know this feeling because we're flawed and imperfect. But as we seek after Christ together, he can and does change our hearts. And from our hearts comes our speech. I also found myself thinking about this week about what it feels like times when you meet someone who uses their words to encourage you and build you up. And how does that feel? It really does give a different context to verse 24 because we all know what it's like to receive genuine encouragement it is like honeycomb. It feels great. You often, there's some people that you encounter and our church is full of them. After one, com- one conversation with them, you walk away feeling better. They're illustrating this idea in a real world. Pleasant words are like honeycomb and they're good for health. But we find ourselves right now in a societal moment where we all know that bad news and negativity sells and gets the clicks. 
But imagine if instead of reflecting that negativity back that we're receiving from our culture, we actually did the opposite this year and flipped it on its head. Imagine if we chose to switch our perspective on world events because we know that God is sovereign and in control, that we know our purposes for our lives. Imagine if we chose to watch what we say and remember that our speech is important. I believe that through this process of seeking God, we'll actually find wisdom for the year ahead and beyond that we're looking for. Our speech is important. Returning to verse 23, the heart of a wise person instructs his mouth. It adds learning to his speech. Now, I feel it's important here to note that I'm not advocating for hyper-positivity or only positive words all the time because I actually think that can be, once again, extremes can be quite harmful because as we all know, we live in a holy tension and there are going to be moments that we walk through where life is hard, where everything's going wrong. But what I am advocating for is in those moments, imagine how our speech would change if we sought God in the middle of that. Imagine if when we found ourselves in a negative situation, we didn't focus on what was in front of us, but we focused on God's truth and promises for our lives. Imagine how that would begin to rewire our minds and once again remind us who is sovereign and who is in control. I am advocating this morning that as we seek God with all of our hearts, it will change our speech. Because once again, as we return to these Proverbs, the heart of a wise person instructs his mouth. It adds learning to his speech. Because ultimately, what ties all these proverbs together that we've spent time in and what we can draw from it and apply to our lives, is especially when we consider the importance of speech, is the importance of moving towards a closer relationship with God, which will lead to a richer interior life. As the whole book of Proverbs points out, God is the source of all wisdom. Amen? I might invite the team up if I could, please. So as we look ahead to this year, there is so much ancient wisdom we can apply to our plans and lives. And we've got to return to these Proverbs because I really want us this morning as we listen to these ancient words to think about your context where you sit this morning. The beautiful thing about a gathering of believers is we're all so different. We all, leave, we all lead such different lives. And for some of us, 2024 is going to be a big year. And we need wisdom as we think about what plans and where God's leading us. And this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit actually wants to speak to a few of us when it comes to our plans. I believe he wants to equip us on this second Sunday for 2024 with things that are going to help carry us through right until the end of the year and beyond. So reading together from verse 20 to 24. The one who understands a matter finds success, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be happy. Anyone with a wise heart is called discerning, and pleasant speech increases learning. Insight is a fountain of life for its possessor, but the discipline of fools is folly. The heart of a wise person instructs his mouth. It adds learning to his speech. Pleasant words are a honeycomb sweet to the taste and health to the body. We have an opportunity, church, as we step into this new year to change our perspectives, to come back to being God the center and overall, 
to think about what are our plans for this year as well, but to hold them loosely and ask God, what are your plans for my life this year? What are your purposes? What do you want my family to do? And there's still so much more we could have actually unpacked from Proverbs 16. We barely scratched the surface. As Cal said, there's 31 Proverbs. That's a lot to get through as well. And each one of them being a self-contained idea. But this morning, the two I wanted to highlight was this. Let's remember that God is in the center and over all of our plans. And it's Him who brings success. But let's also remember the importance of our speech as it shows what's going on inside of us. We can choose this year, church, to be a people that seek after wisdom, that are called discerning, and use our speech to glorify God as we seek Him together. It may be a new year, but the God we've read about in these Proverbs that gave this wisdom is still with us today. And He will never leave us nor forsake us. And if you want to get super practical this morning, if you want to grow in wisdom for this year and ask God to speak to you, why not start by reading a proverb a day and see how God speaks to you? But before we close our time together and I hand back to Kel, I might invite us to stand if you're able to this morning. When preparing this message, I felt to really, as we close our time this morning, to end by focusing on these words in Proverbs. I think sometimes at the start of a new year, we love the idea of reading through the Bible in a year, and these are all good things. But when we simply only spend time in God's Word as a tick-box exercise, we're actually missing what's going on. Imagine if every time we open God's Word this year, we stopped and asked the Holy Spirit to speak to us through it. If instead of reading large chunks, we focused on small bits that profoundly changed us and moved us towards Jesus, amen? So if you're comfortable to this morning, I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. And the reason we're doing this is to eliminate distraction so we can invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us as we end our time together. And we're simply just going to read Proverbs 16, verse 9. Then I'll hand over to Kel. A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps.